the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bonjour, welcome to the show. My name is Ben, and I just might be addicted to carbs. Je m'appelle Noel, and I've been trying to go a little lighter on the carbs lately, but I am a big fan of uh, a good baguette. Yes, agreed. And here in the U.S., we have a little bit more leeway with the definition of what a baguette is. And despite how important carbs might be to Noel, to myself, and to our super producer, Casey Pegram, in France, it turns out they're much more important, crucial. Big time. That's why for two centuries, there was a law on the books in Paris that basically established a uh, continuous, free-flowing access to bread. And this was most important during the summer months when a lot of Parisians take vacations um, and it's a big deal. The, you know, Paris can feel like a ghost town during July and August. And this law was established because the last time that France ran out of bread, well, you know, the, the, there, there was, there were riots in the streets and uh, people got decapitated and hanged. Yes, there were reigns of terrors that were uh, related in a way to bread. And for anyone who's interested in the role that food can play in social revolution, we promise you it's a real thing. You're not crazy. Butter had a role to play in an earlier episode. It's true. And bread's always been a pretty important staple of the French diet. In fact, according to the Smithsonian, uh, the average worker during the 18th century spent half, that is half, of their wages on bread because not only was it delicious and, uh, you know, something you could put a nice piece of brie on. I mean, it was how they got their sustenance more than anything else. Right. It's true. You know, we have to consider in ages past, people didn't often have the same uh, concept uh, 
uh, toward food or toward nutrition uh, that you would find to be more common today. For example, a lot of times today, people eat for pleasure rather than mandatory survival. And if bread wasn't available for a lot of people, it could mean that they might starve. This was so important that in Napoleonic times, police were even in charge of grain inspection and quality control, sort of an FDA, but oriented entirely toward bread. And when there was a wheat shortage, things went crazy very quickly. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, how in the United States, we refer to the president as the commander in chief because he's in charge of the military for all intents and purposes. Well, in France during this time, the king was referred to as boulanger du royaume or prime baker of the kingdom. That was kind of a, a pretty, pretty serious job. And in fact, there were these Napoleonic codes that were established for everything from how to proof the dough, to make the bread, to the ratio of the uh, ingredients. Uh, it, this was all very, very, very important. And it not only was important because of it, its place as a staple food, but it was a cultural thing as well. And they took their bread making very, very seriously. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it is not an exaggeration to say that all hell broke loose if something went wrong with the bread supply. In 1775, there was a wheat shortage and grain prices skyrocketed. And to make things more complicated, the new king at the time, Louis XVI, decided to allow a free market of grain within the country. And this led to speculation. Flour merchants who were already kind of a uh, distrusted segment of society, along with bakers, held back grain supplies. Yeah, I read somewhere that certain flour merchants to um, kind of control prices would cut their flour with everything from like chalk to even bone meal. Yeah, and sawdust as well, right? And this sounds maybe on the offset a bit silly, right? Maybe it sounds like too much of a nanny state to have laws controlling bread, but it is incredibly important. There hadn't been a famine in France for decades before this occurred, but all of a sudden, the poorest people in the country were unable to buy flour for bread, and they rioted. Yeah, and this, what was referred to as the flour war, is considered by most historians as being the precursor to the French Revolution that took place 14 years later. Um, and actually, you know what? I think now would be a good time to uh, introduce a new segment we've been kicking around. You see, our, uh, our super producer, Casey Pegram, is also our resident Francophile. Um, and so we are going to uh, have a segment with Casey that I would affectionately like to refer to as Casey on the Case. Or thus spake Casey. We're still kicking it around. It's true. <laughs> Casey Pegram, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello. Thanks, guys. So, Casey, we, we sort of buried the lead just a touch in this story. Um, we talked a little bit about how these days during the summer months, uh, Paris kind of clears out a little bit. And you go to Paris about mm-hmm. once a year. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. They call it uh, Les Grandes Vacances, the big vacation. And, yeah, Paris in July and August gets extremely hot. Many, many places are not air-conditioned, climatisé, um, and that's actually a point of uh, advertisement. If, like, a movie theater has air conditioning, they will put that, like, sal climatisé, and it's sort of like, even if you don't care what the movie is, just go in there and chill out for a couple hours. So, yeah, Paris basically empties out and just becomes, like, 
the domain of tourists for a couple months. And when we were researching this episode off air, uh, we really wanted to uh, lean on your abilities as a francophone to tell us a little bit about the the laws that we're kicking around uh, that it is true right uh, Noel and I haven't been just making stuff up for the past few minutes no it's it's real so you guys had talked about the flower war correct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of the precursor to this event that happens in October of 1789 where this poor poor baker Denis Francois who was confronted by an angry mob that basically thought he was hoarding bread. Um, possibly just to drive the price up or potentially to keep it on reserve for royalty and military people, things like that. This was a big deal, especially consider what had happened during the Flower War, yes. where they thought the king was hoarding the flour so that the people who relied on it for their daily sustenance could not get what they needed to make their daily bread. Right. So this is kind of just a continuation of those uh, those tensions and – as we see, uh, an angry crowd confronted this baker at his bakery, um, demanded that he come out, brought him to what was then called a Place de Greve, which today in modern times is known as l'Hôtel de Ville. Uh, it's the city hall, essentially. If you've ever been to Paris, you've probably walked by this place. Uh, it's kind of a landmark. It's very central. It's right by the Seine, and it's a cool building. But they brought him to this public square, basically summarily executed him. They hung him. And they decapitated him and they paraded his head on a pike around town. They brought it to other bakers to kind of intimidate them. Wow. Apparently they waited on a scale at one point at one of the bakeries. Jeez, man. And, uh, and. Like and, a baker's scale. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Why the baker though? That seems like such misplaced anger. I mean, isn't he just trying to like feed his family? Was he considered part of the aristocracy? Was he looked at as being a, an enemy of, of the people, of peasants? Well, he would have been, you know, relatively middle class and controlling access to a resource that everyone needs. What's interesting to me too is that we don't have any solid proof or whether he was actually doing something wrong. Most of what I read said that, in retrospect, this was a totally innocent guy that just got caught up in, like, an angry mob that was looking for somebody to blame for the problems that were going on. So what happened next? Well, so after this guy was killed, the National Assembly meets, and they basically decide that they're going to declare martial law and that they are going to... Uh, ban all public gatherings, any kind of public protests. There will be a red flag that signals the presence of martial law. Mm. So you'd be given three chances to disperse. You could take from your group, you could select six people um, to kind of represent your grievances and whatever solution you're kind of uh, angling for. Everybody else is supposed to disperse peacefully. There'll be a second warning and a third warning. If after that third warning, you're still there, you're still protesting, whatever, they are authorized to use armed force against you and basically kill an entire crowd if they if they decide to stick around. So this is in the thick of the, the French Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like... This is coming a couple weeks after the March on Versailles, yes. which is what brought the king back to Paris and kind of returned rule of the country to Paris where it had been displaced to Versailles. Let them eat cake. Right. Right. So yeah. that was... It's, even, even that catchphrase is tied to... 
this whole idea of bread being such a crucial component of everyday life and the fact that Marie Antoinette was so clueless and insulated that she would just say, oh, it's fine. Just, just, they can eat cake, right? Because they have that, surely, right? Isn't that the joke kind of? It's that, a little, little bit out of touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah very and, much. Yeah. And there's a, there's an interesting tale within that uh, within that too about the folklore versus the fact of that. But you're absolutely right that it was allegedly or according to the legend in response to them saying, you know, the people have no bread. No, but I saw it in a in a film. So it, <laughs> okay. it, it was a Sofia Coppola film. Uh, so it def- that's definitely exactly how it went down. Is she the one who did Dracula? No, she was uh, she was dad. in um, Godfather Three. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, remember on the stairs. Yeah, she, yeah, No, no spoilers. Right, Not right. Godfather Three. Godfathers take Manhattan. Right. That's the one. <laughs> but no, this is really interesting because then this is ultimately. Correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, because you are in fact on the case. Um, this is what led to this decree in 1790 from Louis the Sixteenth that put this system in place. Because okay, so they weathered the the grain shortage. They got mm-hmm. through that, but now it was like. What happens if uh, if the bakeries close? If everybody takes the grand vacation at the same time. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville, oh, 
right? It's, oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You did say, though, that that didn't really become a cultural thing until a little bit more into the 21st century, the, the idea of that particular time for vacation. But even still. Right. So the uh, 1789 or 1790 ruling has to do with basically empowering authorities to make sure that bread stays in regular supply so that people don't have a reason to riot. Mm-hmm. When it gets to into the 20th century and you start getting things like guaranteed vacation time for workers, and this kind of culminates in the cultural tradition of the Grand Vacances, where people take as much as like six weeks off consecutive during the summer. Everybody leaves Paris and goes to like the coast of France. Mm-hmm. Then it became an issue because if everybody left at the same time, if everybody decides to take off July, you're probably not going to be able to get like a decent baguette in Paris for that month. And that's – you know, they view that as a pretty serious problem. So what happens to the consumers? What, Whatever will we do? Right, exactly. So it was then decided that these boulangers, bakers, would have to coordinate with their local authorities when they wanted to take time off. And, you know, it would have to coordinate from all the other bakeries in the area such that you would never found like a neighborhood that just didn't have a bakery open. So some would have to go in July, some would have to go in August. And it was half and half, correct? Right. And it it almost became like these two groups almost identified like I'm a Julian, I'm an Augustian. It's very strange. So this wouldn't be um, uh, on the case with Casey if we didn't hear a little uh, sample of your dulcet French tones. So could you give us a little reading from this uh, this ordinance, Casey? So sure. This is article number six of the law of October 21st, 1789, against gatherings or martial law, in other words. So here we go, the three warnings. Can we get a little poetry music in the back? <laughs> Some kind of dramatic accompaniment. Faut parler personne à tout pays de se retirer en ce moment, et leur sera fait à outroi par les officiers municipaux ou l'un d'eux, trois semaines de se retirer tranquillement dans leur domicile. So they will be warned in a high voice by the municipal officers or one among them. Three warnings to return peacefully 
into your home. Trois sommations de se retirer tranquillement dans leur domicile. Three warnings to return peacefully to your home. La première sommation sera exprimée en ces termes. The first warning will be expressed in these terms. Avis est donné que la loi martiale est proclamée, que tous attroupements sont criminels. So, notice will be given that martial law has been proclaimed, that all gatherings are criminal. On va faire feu. We're going to shoot. Que les bons citoyens se retirent. Good citizens, go home. À la deuxième et troisième sommation, so on the second and third warning, il suffira de répéter ces mots, on va faire feu, que les bons citoyens se retirent. So on the second and third warnings, they're going to skip the preamble and just say, we're going to shoot, good citizens, go home. L'officier municipal énoncera que c'est ou la première ou la seconde ou la dernière. So the municipal officer will announce whether it's the first, second, or third warning. And if you're not out by the third warning, all bets are off, you're probably going to get shot. Beautiful. I mean, terrifying, but yeah. beautiful performance, yeah. Casey. And this has been On the Case with Casey. You know what? I am a big fan of that segment, Noel. Don't you think that added some context? It added some real umami to this episode, I think. And there's more to the story because, you see, it turns out this law isn't just something that happened and then disappeared. It has been, uh, as we said at the top of the show, on the books for centuries, and it's been periodically revised, rewritten, reworked, as Casey mentioned, with uh, the emergence of workers' rights. Totally. And because, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of huge, large-scale famines happening in Europe these days. Uh, so it, it was relaxed uh, in 1995, and we mentioned this briefly during Casey on the Case, but half of the bakeries in Paris were able to shut down during the month of July, as long as the other half stayed open and then bakers were actually required to post notices mm -hmm. in their windows of where uh, a customer could could get a a croissant or a baguette uh, within walking distance because it was all about this community neighborhood vibe you know it was it was you had to be able to walk there it, it was very much part of day to day you could not be expected to you know hop a taxi to another part of town my word the very idea the very idea this is a really cool detail to me because I like it. It seems humanizing. It's not enough just to tell the authorities, hey, I'm going to be gone in July. You got to support your people, too. Totally. And it feels like it, we've gotten away from it being uh, there being concern over riots and it being much more um, about maintaining that fresh baked bread culture that has sustained in France throughout the generations. And uh, you will hopefully be as thankful as we are to note that the consequences for this are no longer, you know, life-threatening. Absolutely not. In fact, even when they were still on the books, you if you didn't get permission, you decided to do what you wanted, um, you could get a fine, um, which was a minimum of, I believe, 11 euros a day, mm -hmm. um, which is around 13 American dollars back in, I think, 2005, or about $20 um, in, in 2017 bucks. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. 
You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's, I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And... 
The story continued. In 2015, the French government eased some of the remaining restrictions on bakers' holidays as part of a, a larger effort to streamline their notoriously sluggish bureaucracy. I mean, can you imagine having a law on the books for 200 years? Can you imagine what other weird little esoteric <laughs> legal nuggets remained on the books? Mm. Probably stuff about spitting in public. I don't know. Beret quotas. I would imagine. I hope I don't get in trouble for that one. But it, it's true. When this relaxation occurred in 2015, a lot of local Parisians feared there would be a baguette crisis. Mm. And to some degree, they did experience one because the government no longer coordinated Baker holidays for the industry. Bakers had a tough time knowing when they should leave. The ones that stayed open ran out of bread quickly, and some were worried that their quality was suffering because there was such an increase in demand. Yeah, because literally for the first time since the revolution, bakers could go on vacation whenever they wanted. Like normies, which is the baker word for us. Exactly. So yeah, I saw an article in the Daily Mail um, with some great quotes of kind of like the scoop of how this is playing out today in the streets of Paris. There's a quote from Lynn Siegel, who is a Parisian resident um, that goes as such. I went out to get a baguette a few days ago and the two closest boulangeries to me were both closed for the first time ever. Then the next day, a woman on the street stopped me asking where the closest open one was. Only the bad ones stayed open. Only the bad ones. The bad ones. And this we, – we should paint a picture of why this is so important. Uh, even now, for something to be called traditional homemade bread, only four ingredients legally can be used, flour, water, salt, and yeast. Seventy percent of bread is still produced in boulangeries, those, those local bakeries rather than industrial warehouse factories, you know. Uh, while worries of a bread shortage have, you know, fallen a little bit in the years since the regulations loosened, there are new worries on the horizon. It appears people are eating Fewer and fewer baguettes. Yeah, it's true. Um, per capita, consumption of baguettes has fallen by more than 80 percent since 1900. Um, and at that time, the average person in France ate more than three of them a day. That's a lot, isn't it? These are big, man. Right. And today, it's uh, as of 2017, it's down to about a half a loaf a day. So – Analysts will attribute the drop to multiple factors, including maybe this preference for a lower-carb diet or uh, concerns about gluten consumption, while some bakers say it's because the bread just doesn't taste as good as it did back in the, you know, the good old days of the pre-revolutionary France. Yeah, in that Daily Mail article, there's another quote from a Parisian artist named Anthony Stephenson who talks about – being pretty bummed out that because of the scarcity of high-quality bread, he's now having to buy uh, what he refers to as, quote, those strange half-cooked mini baguettes from my local supermarket and putting them in the oven. So <laughs> that is not cool uh, for Mr. Stephenson. And I actually found an article in the New York Times. The headline is, A Baker's Crusade Rescuing the Famed French Boulangerie. Because of this decrease in bread consumption, there is a sense that that 
culture, that history of artisanal baking is being lost. So uh, a man by the name of Pascal Rigeau, a French businessman, has decided to try to save the uh, fledgling um, French, authentic French boulangerie by coming up with a model that allows scaling of these businesses while also using higher quality ingredients. And in order to do that, he is going to shrink each store, making it where you only have to have one person to run it and buying ingredients centrally um, that allows the shops to enhance the quality um, and also increase bargaining power and it limits the number of products sold. So you might have a store that only sells baguettes as opposed to a diversified like mm-hmm. bakery where you have all kinds of other pastries. So this isn't a big warehouse plan. This sounds like a community of what would be smaller stores that are in keeping with French tradition. This could help trigger a resurgence, right? Because we saw the numbers of these traditional bakeries dropping over the past few decades. That's right. Looks like in 2015, there were 28,000 of these authentic bakeries, and that's down from 37,800 just 20 years earlier. And that is from a 2014 report on bread in France from Euromonitor by Alexander Gorenson. And on this note, we will end our exploration of bread, war, and revolution in France. However, if you feel like the story should continue, we would like to cordially invite you to France's annual bread festival, usually held in May. This gives you enough time, hopefully, to schedule your plans and, of course, We want pictures if you happen to go to the Bread Festival. And let us know if you have lived in France or, like Casey, spent a great deal of time there. We'd like to hear what your favorite bakeries are. We'd like to hear your impressions of uh, where bakers stand in French society today. I'm very interested in that because over just the course of this episode, we saw bakers uh, being unfairly characterized as villains and then as models of the working class, as masters of their craft. So what are they today in 2017? You can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. You can drop us a note on Facebook. We're Ridiculous History there, too. I think we have a, uh, a Twitter now. You can tweet at us at Ridiculous History or um, you can check out our Instagram page. It's also Ridiculous History. And of course, most importantly, let us know if you have suggestions for an episode we should cover in the future. So please join us for more gaffes and laughs on the next episode of Ridiculous History. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.